Hey guys, thanks for swinging by our podcast today. We hope this message leaves you encouraged and filled with hope and that Christ and His goodness is meeting your every need. Amen. We'll open up the Song of Songs chapter 5, guys and girls. (laughs) Song of Songs 5. Again, the most important thing about us is that we're called beloved. Let me rephrase it like that. The most important thing about us is when we begin to identify ourselves as beloved. <laughs> you can be called a lot of things, but it's, it's the moment you begin to identify with that, that when things really begin to change. And so like, it's like growing up, if, if, if you had a teacher that says that you were stupid You can either ignore them, or if you begin to believe it, you begin to take on that identity, right? Or if if your parents tell you that you're loved, you take on that identity that you are loved. And so, like, I can say you're beloved till I'm blue in the face, but, but what I'm praying, what I'm praying is that we begin to not only just hear these words spoken over us, But these words that are spoken over us begin to migrate down into our heart where we actually begin to say, I I really am beloved. Like, that's what I identify as. Like, in society today, there's a lot of stuff trying to get people to, let me say, trying to get people. People identify as a lot of different things. And, And I believe a lot of things that people identify as would, they would, that wouldn't even be an issue or a question if the Lord began to raise up people that understood what he said about them and they actually believed it because then some of these things that the world is whispering to them, what they'd be like, well, that's a lie. I'm not going to believe that, right? I'm not going to listen to that. I'm not going to believe this. And, and you can run with that however you want to. But again, the most important thing about us is we're beloved. And, and it's not like, and we've said this time and time again, like the most important thing about you is not what you do for a living. The most important thing about you isn't who you're married to, the car you drive, or the clothes you wear, anything like that. It is what he says about you. And, the mo- and like, seriously, the moment that we really get this, that, that like, I am beloved, and, and <laughs> I am beloved, and, and my beloved loves me, or, and, and I belong to him, he belongs to me. Like, the moment you get that, it really will change the perspective from which we look at everything. And, and, and I'll say this, like, this beloved identity that we've been talking about and talking about, this is actually the ninth time I've preached on this in a row. Like, this isn't something like, like, in the, we tend to com- compartmentalize everything in the Christian life. Like I have my prayer life, I have my Bible reading life, I have my devotion life, I have my church life, I have this. And so now we've been talking about beloved identity and it's just one more piece to the puzzle. It's no, this is the entire puzzle. And everything comes from it. It's, it's central to everything that we are. Okay, And so because I'm beloved, I can spend time in prayer with him. Because I'm beloved, I can spend time in the word with him, right? Because I'm beloved, I can serve, right? If I don't, like, it's like this. If I don't have beloved identity and I'm like, I need to serve. You know when I serve? I serve when I start to feel guilty for not serving rather than seeing a need and meeting a need. 
And, and, and or, like, or you begin to identify yourself. You get your value based on how much you're doing for God. And, and like, I don't think you need to do anything for God. I think we need to become enamored with God and become more like God and be conformed into his image. Okay. And so it's, it's, it's this beloved identity is the central thing about us. It's at the very core of who we are. It's not even that like we're, we, we believe that we're a kingdom church and we believe in everything in the kingdom. It's not even that it's like, I am beloved and everything comes out of that mindset. Everything comes out of that posture. Everything comes out of that belief and truth. It, it all comes from there. And if that is not central, that's when it gets perverted. That's when it gets weird. That's when it gets religious. That's when it gets messed up. That's when it becomes about rules or legalism. That's when it becomes flaky and, and too free or whatever you want to say. It all stems from this one simple truth. I'm beloved. And man, we can get that. I'm, I'm just, I'm just telling you, it'll, it'll change every. It changes the way you look at people. That's right. I, di- I didn't even tell you this. So, I, I was, uh, I flew to, I flew to Dallas, Fort Worth on Wednesday, and and one like I, I get, I'm claustrophobic, and I do have space issues and all these things, and and like I'm not like I don't know. I just some things bother me. <laughs> and I had the outside seat, which was nice. I actually, I prefer that because when the, when the stewardess, stewards, whatever, those people are, are going through the center aisle, I can put one of my legs out and I have more room to sit, right? Well, so I was sitting on the outside and there was a lady that was 76 years old sitting next to me. We struck up a conversation right at the beginning, you know, and she's like, you know, you coming here, going back home, going on business. I'm like, well, I'm going to go to a conference and that's what it's doing. And, and like we get on this plane and the very first thing that the pilot says is, folks, it's going to be a bumpy ride. <laughs> and I was like, great. And he said, we experienced extreme turbulence on our way here and we're going to experience extreme turbulence on our way back to Dallas and so just be prepared, keep your seatbelts on. And then he came back on and he said, when I said, like, I've never heard him do this. He said, when I said it was going to be a bumpy ride, I really did mean that it was going to be an extremely bumpy ride. It's something great, <laughs> you know? And so we, we start getting towards Dallas and we're heading into our like descent when the plane starts to not like land, but you can feel it lowering and we get there and we, we hit turbulence, and I don't know how far we dropped, but like you felt the plane like that. And you could hear like the luggage and the bins. You could hear that like clanging around. And when it dropped, that old lady grabbed my hand. And, went, and not just grabbed my hand, but she, she intertwined her fingers with mine. And my first reaction was, I wonder if she washed her hands after she used the bathroom. That was what I thought. <laughs> and, and so I wanted to recoil, but then the Lord's like, well, if you're beloved, you should love her. Like really just stupid practical stuff. And so I'm like, okay. And so for the last half an hour of the ride, I held hands with this 76-year-old woman. And she looked at me, she goes, you think we're going to be okay? And I'm, I'm like, I think we're going to be just fine, sweetheart. I, think, I, I said, Jesus has us. 
And she's like, yeah, 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 he does. And, and I thought, but maybe she would have, but no, she held until they told us we could take our seatbelts off. <laughs> but, but, if, but if we're not in beloved identity, we can't do that. Because then we're whatever. I don't know why I told you that story, but it's just really important to live from this position. It, it changes the way you view the things that used to bother you. Like the Lord helps you overcome those things. And, and, and he gives you a heart and he gives you a compassion. So, so look at chapter 5. I, I want to talk this morning about this. And mm, I actually want to talk about the inconvenience of being beloved. Because <laughs> um, sometimes, like, like, you understand Jesus is sovereign and he can do whatever he wants to do. And sometimes he wants to do stuff when you're least expecting it. And it's in those moments that we have to decide what we're going to do with that. And so it's like, it's like this. And I actually, I'll share this here probably in a few minutes. But it's like when you pray for people in public. Or if I pray for people in public. Like, it's like the more I pray for people, the more opportunities I get. But the more I willingly say, I'm not going to do that. I don't have time. I'm in a hurry. Like, it feels like they're further and further between. And then the Lord finally gives me one, and I take it, and then it's like I get another one, another one, another one, right? And so it's like this, it's like this thing. If we're willing to be inconvenienced, I think that we'll start to experience him more and more and more. It, you'll, you'll, go from, you'll go from being aware of him from, like, more than just when you're reading your Bibles or when you're praying in the morning or in the evening whenever you do it to, like, moment by moment throughout the day, you'll be like, oh, you're here right now. And so, so with that as the backdrop, look at chapter 5, um, five ch- verse 1. I'm going to read the first six verses. This is the bridegroom king speaking. He says, I have come into my garden, my sister, my bride. I've gathered myrrh along with basalm. I have eaten my honeycomb and my honey. I have drunk my wine and my milk. Eat, friends, and drink, and drink deeply, O lovers. And then now she says this, I was asleep, but my heart was awake. A voice, my beloved, is knocking. And he says, open to me, my sister, my darling, my perfect one. For my head is drenched with dew and my locks with the damp of night. I have taken off, and she says this, she says, I've taken off my dress. How can I put it on again? I've washed my feet. How can I make them dirty again? My beloved extended his hand through the opening and my feelings were aroused for him. I arose to open to my beloved and my hands dripped with myrrh and my fingers with liquid myrrh on the handles of the bolt. And I opened to my beloved but my beloved had turned away and gone. My heart went out to him as he spoke and and I searched for him, but I did not find him. I called to him, but he did not answer to me. Oh, see, if if we're going to walk in beloved identity, again, we, we have to be willing to be inconvenienced. And, and, and I see inconvenience like, like when we decide to follow Jesus, we have surrendered our life to him. And surrendered isn't just, a, it, surrendered is different than associating with. If I surrender, that means I've relinquished all of my rights. And therefore, if I've relinquished all of my rights, 
that, that essentially I have given my life to him. And if I've given my life to him, he has permission to do whatever he wants to do with my life. He has permission to show up whenever he desires to show up. He has permission to speak however he desires to speak. And it's up to me how I respond to those moments. And I want us to be a people where we identify as beloved and we, we're a people that we hear his voice or his whispers moment by moment by moment. And, and he often does speak in whispers. One of my favorite preachers, I heard him say this, that, that God, he often speaks to you just a little bit quieter than the most quiet voice in your life. Because he, he, he doesn't, like, like, he wants to be wanted. He longs to be longed for. He, he doesn't want to, like, have you ever been around a group of people and someone desperately wants to be the center of attention and they assert themselves in everything? They, they talk louder than everyone else. They, they make themselves known. Yahweh, he's not going to do that. He's, he's, it's like, he, you're going to have the, the chatter and everything going on and he's going to be back here whispering, come to me, come to me, come to me. And, and now that's not saying sometimes he does speak loud, but I think more often than not, it's that quiet whisper because he wants to be, I, I think he wants to be noticed. <laughs> he likes when we notice him. And so, so, so we got to be willing to be this inconvenienced and, and any relationship, not just with him, but any relationship, I, like, I, don't, I don't think marriage is hard. So let me preface it with that. Like, I love her. I've given my life to her. Like, it just works. Okay? It's just truth. But, but it does take intentionality. It does take intentionality. It, it takes, like, because we, we're both busy people. And if we're not careful, like, we could spend a long time. Like, like it's not that we've grown apart but it's that we get so caught up in doing everything that we're doing that we don't come back together. And then we're like, oh, she'll text me, I miss you. Or I'll text her, I'm like, I really miss you. And like, we, we, we haven't been out of town. We, we haven't been apart. We haven't had a fight. I can't remember the last fight we have. But, but, but and that's, that's, the, that's the actual truth. And... and and we, we haven't done this or that, but it's like, no, we need to make sure we even, even if we just sit in the room together and we're aware that the other one's in there and we don't even have a conversation, but we're just there. Like it takes intentionality. And with our bridegroom king, I believe it does take intentionality. It doesn't take, I don't think it takes effort. I, I think it takes, like, I'm going to make a decision to be aware that he's here, right? And, and I think this, if we want a, like, I don't want just a relationship with Jesus. I want a dynamic relationship with Jesus. Like, and dynamic in the sense that, that he moves and he's alive and he's active and that he speaks and I respond and I speak and he responds. Like, it, it, it needs to be dynamic, if you will. And so, so if it's going to be dynamic, again, when he comes and he speaks, it's up to us with what we do with that moment. And so that's like we model this in our services. And then I wanted to transition from our services to our day-to-day lives. It's like when we, when, when, when we, were, we, we said we were going to pray for Tim. I told, I told Tatum that before service. And so we prayed for her. And then, and then 
Taylor feels like we, we need to pray for Addie's friend. Now, that wasn't planned and that wasn't scripted, but it's responding to what the Lord's speaking in the moment, okay? And it's like when we hit these moments, even in our worship, I think we model that pretty well. But sometimes we'll hit those moments where no one's singing a word and there's even no whatever being strung. There's nothing being hit. It just gets quiet. Those Selah moments. It's responding to what the Lord's doing in that moment because we recognize that when he shows up, that's the most important thing that we could possibly be doing is whatever he's doing in the moment. And so if we take that and think, well, if it happens here, let's begin to translate that to my life. Well, what if you get overwhelmed in the car and you're like, hot, oh, he just, he just got, pull over. <laughs> begin to worship him on the side of the street or, or begin to acknowledge, like, you're here. I'm so thankful you're in this car with me, right? Or if you're cooking dinner for your family and you're like, oh, I feel the Holy Spirit's here right now. Thank you that you're here cooking with me. I mean, it's like sounds so simplistic, but I think if we could steward those moments because he likes to come when you're doing something to see if we're willing to stop what we're doing and acknowledge that he's there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and so there'll be times when you're tired. Like I, I think for me, that's when it's most difficult. Like when you're tired like you're like, oh, I'm just like physically exhausted. It seems like that's when the Lord really wants to speak. <laughs> right? I'm like, I just need me some sleep, Jesus. And he's like, I really want to talk. And, but he won't keep me awake. Right? Or, or, there'll be times when you're wore out or exhausted. There'll be times when we're busy. There'll be times when we feel like we have too much to do. Right? And again, it's in those times where we decide how we respond. And I just want us, I don't want, I don't, I'm not going to tell you be perfect in responding. I'm, I want to say the next time that he shows up, just focus on responding that one time. And then what you'll find is the time after that when he shows up, it, you'll respond even easier to that time, okay? And so it's a perpetual, I want to respond and respond. And, and, and now let me, let me transition right here. What we have is not just for us. I have a personal relationship with Jesus, but I also have this very public relationship with him as well. Like, like I didn't marry April and, and tie her up and put her in the closet. Like I have that personal hidden thing and then, right, that'd be really creepy. <laughs> My wife, she's at home. She's tied up. Like that'd be just terrible. But, but like, like we're actually like to be married in public as well. And it's the same thing with Jesus. It's not just here. It's there because it's not that I just have him in my life. He has become my life. And since he has become my life, everywhere I go, he comes out of me. So, so listen to this. I'm going to read this from the Passion Translation, verses 1 through 2, uh, and chapter 5 again. But I want to read it from this perspective because I think this part or this translation is really good here. He says this. This is right groom king speaking. He says, I've gathered from your heart my equal, my bride. I have gathered from my garden all my sacred spices. By the way, he's calling her heart his garden. That's pretty amazing when you think that he used to walk with Adam and Eve in the garden in the cool of the day. <laughs> Just 
throwing it out there. I think that's pretty cool. He says this, I've tasted and enjoyed my wine within you. I have tasted with pleasure pure milk, my honeycomb, which you yield to me. I delight in gathering my sacred spice, all the fruits of my life I've gathered from within you, my paradise garden. Like if it wasn't enough for him to say your heart's a garden, he says, not only is your heart a garden, but you are a paradise garden. Like think, uh, like, uh, like, Imagine the king of kings looking at you and saying, you're my paradise garden. That's enough to make you squirm right there. You're my paradise garden. Hmm. (laughs) Come, all my, now this is where it's fascinating. Then he says, come all my friends. Come all my friends and feast upon my bride. All you revelers of my palace, feast on her, my lovers. Drink and drink and drink again until you can take no more. Drink the wine of her love. Take all you desire, take all you desire, you priest. My life within her will become your feast. So, so it's like, is he like wanting us to cannibalize his wife? No. what he's saying is this, that I have done something in her and what I have done in her heart is actually for everyone, not only for her benefit, but for the world around her's benefit. And if you find yourself lacking, why don't you get around her because she has something within her that I have put within her that's going to bring nourishment to you. And so that's why, like, you get to go on internship with Jay next, like, like you're going to feed off of what the Lord has done in Jay Jellison's heart, right? I mean, that's, that's why you want to get around people that's been around God, because the God that's been inside of them just gets on you. It's like they leak, if you will. And so that's why it's so important. That's why it's so important to guard our hearts. Because, again, what he does right here. It does not, if it stops right here, it gets weird and perverted. It has to do this, if you will. It has to do this. And so that's where, like, the Desert Fathers got it wrong because they only focused on this, but they didn't care one iota about this. And it's, 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 I'm filled and then I spill, fill and spill. And sometimes while you're spilling, you're getting filled at the exact same time. Right, And so he says this, he says, come and feast off of what I have deposited within her heart. Beloved, like my, my, my heart and my desire would be this. And I don't say this in arrogance. Like I feel like my job as the pastor of this church is to get along with God and spend time on my knees and time in his presence so that I come out glowing, if you will, 
but I come out glowing or I come here and I burn and I'm filled with love in front of you and around you. And therefore, maybe just maybe what he's done in my heart. Well, if, if you're right here, and I'm not saying it's levels. That's what I'm saying. But I, I think for illustration purpose, if you're right here and I spend an hour with you, then maybe your level gets increased to right there. Right. Or, or, or Bob called me up a few weeks ago and said, let's go do lunch. And, 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 and I left lunch with him and I was right here. And when I left, I was up here. Right. It, it's this lifting up of one another. It's a spirit within you. And so as we nourish off of him, he allows others to nourish off of us. So therefore it translates more than just the church because then we live our life and all of you, all of you all have secular jobs. All of you work and all of you see people. All of you have routines. And, and so then it becomes like this, like someone who doesn't know Jesus, you come into the room and they're like, I don't know what that is, but I sure would like some of it. And, or, or they'll say, or, 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 let's phrase it how a lot of people say this. Like, you know, people that aren't Christians, but they're like, I just like to be around you. You're always happy. You know what they're saying? They're saying, what is within you? I'm beginning to feast off of it. <laughs> and, and like we want them to boom, come to faith, but what if it takes them six months or a year to get their belly full to such a degree that they finally come to faith in him? You understand? Like it's just really important. And so if we don't accept our identity as beloved, we never get to the point where he put stuff inside of our heart. Therefore, it, no one can pick something off of our heart. And so it's really important. That's why in Proverbs 4.23, it says this, guard your heart, watch over your heart with all diligence. From it flow the springs of life. Guard your heart because from it flow the springs of life. See, when you're ravished with beloved identity, your heart begins to flow with nourishment to the world around you. That's John 7.38. Excuse me. That's John 7.38. That's rivers of living water flowing from you. And the only way rivers flow from you is if you guard this thing like it's your most cherished possession and your most cherished prize. Like I know some of y'all are gun, like have lots of guns in this church, and that's fine. But you, whatever. But 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 you have gun safes that you put those things in because they're valuable to you, and you protect it, right? You protect those things. He lives here, and so I want to guard this like it's my most treasured and most valuable possession, because he is. And if I treat it like that, then it's like stuff, stuff, stuff starts to come out. And, 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 and so, so, but guarding your hearts can be an inconvenience. Because what if you get offended? <laughs> what if someone wrongs you? Right? What if you've been hurt? What if you get frustrated? Like, I think it's more important there than ever. And I've been learning this to guard your heart. If someone says something mean and nasty to you behind your back and you find out about it and you're like, oh, they're so stupid or you, whatever we say, right? To, and make, you always like Jesus is a second cousin so that you never struggle with that. But <laughs> That's just me that struggles. <laughs> it's just me. But, but you're like, oh. Well, you know what happens is he, it's, it's almost like he's like, oh, 
Well, they put something in that garden. They allowed something else in. He's like, I, I, need, I need to pull out some of my fruit that I've planted in there and put it somewhere else where it's safe. That's why it's so, so important. Because, you, you know, it, it, just, it just takes a little bit. And this, I actually, this isn't legalism because I could turn this into a legalistic message real quick. This isn't that. This is just like, I, I'm, what I'm learning is this. Is what he has done in my heart is far too valuable to get upset of about ninety nine to get upset over about ninety nine point nine percent of the things that typically get me upset. It's like yeah, those things suck. The reality is, is that you're not meant for maintenance. <laughs> you're not meant to, you're you're not meant for maintenance. It's uh, let me read the, I'm gonna read verse three from the Passion. This is her responding to, to what we just talked about. He said, I have already laid aside my own garments for you. How, how could I take them up again and yielded my righteousness to yours? You've, you've cleansed my life and taken me so far. Isn't that enough? What, what she's saying is, you've already made me clean. You've already made me spotless. You've already made me holy. I have prayed the prayer. Isn't that enough? Can I just do the bare minimum and maintain this relationship that we have? Can, 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 I, just, can I just come to church and stand when I'm told to stand? Can I just come and sing when I'm told to sing? Can I, can I put money? Can I just do that and go, go home and not think about you until I'm in my car or driving to church and, 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 or whatever? And it's not just about church, but I think you understand what I'm trying to say. She's saying, I've done the bare minimum. Isn't that enough? I just need to maintain where I'm at. Beloved, you weren't meant for maintenance. You were meant for increase. Oh, verse four, my beloved, he reached in to unlock my heart. The very core of my being trembled at his touch. How my soul melted when he spoke to me. My spirit arose to help, help for more of his touch. As I surrendered to him, I began to sense his fragrance, the fragrance of his suffering love. It was the sense of myrrh flowing all through me. I opened, I opened my soul to my beloved and suddenly he was gone. And my heart was torn out for longing for him. I sought his presence, his fragrance, and couldn't find him anywhere. I, I called out to him, yet he did not answer me. I will arise and search for him until I find him. I didn't put verse, uh, the next verse in here, but the next verse is where she goes and the first thing she does after she misplaces her king, her husband, if you will, she runs into the watchman that we talked about several weeks ago that, re- that represent the religious spirit. And it says that when the watchman found her, they struck her, which means they hit her and pummeled her. And, and it actually means that they beat her until they made her not able to be fertile any longer. And then they removed their covering from her. And it wasn't until verse eight, until she left the religious spirit's presence that she found him. And so what happens is sometimes is we'll be like, well, I, I've made myself hard to him. He tried to, he, he showed up and wanted to inconvenience me. He wanted to inconvenience me. I did not 
not respond. I did not respond. I did not respond. So what our natural reaction is, is to go into religious paradigms and systems where, and let me say it, religious formulas where it worked one time, it's got to work again. And that's not how intimacy works. Intimacy goes, look, I, I, I missed it. I missed you. I missed you. And I am sorry. Like you do that with real life people, right? When you, you hurt them or it's like, I, I messed up. I am sorry. Like we, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I missed your prompting. I need you. And he's like, boom. And he comes like a thief in the night again. And so we, we, oh man. And so we weren't built to maintain. We were built for increase. I, 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 and what's, what's funny about Jesus is like Jesus is insatiable. When you, if I say I'm going to spend an hour in prayer because I have stuff to do, he's like, give me an hour and five minutes today. Can I just have five more minutes? If I'm going to spend an hour in worship in my living room with YouTube on the TV, right, can just fly around the room with him. I'm like, I have an hour to do this. He's like, give me an hour and a half. And he doesn't demand it. He's like, give me just a little bit more. Now, I'm not talking about time, okay? But time's the only thing because I don't want it to be about time for you all. But it's, it's what, whatever you give him, he's always going to ask for just a little bit more. And so whatever level you have surrendered to him, he's going to, can I just have a little bit more surrender? Whatever sacrifice you, he's going, can I just have a little bit more? Why? Well, it's for your benefit. <laughs> it's not because he needs it, but it's because he knows that you need it and he loves when you know that you need it. Okay? And and so 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 like the maintenance stuff is never enough, folks. The maintenance stuff is, and I'm not trying to make you feel guilty like like I want and I know some people further along than others, I get it, but it's it's not enough to just come and it's not enough to have him as part of my life. It just needs to get to the point where he becomes my life because I've been crucified with Christ and the life that I now live, I, I live the life that I now live in this body, it's because of his spirit. And so I want to be so bad that he's the only thing that lives lives, right? And then if he gives John 3, 34, the spirit without measure, that means that the more that I give him of myself, the more that he gives himself unto me. And so then it becomes dynamic. And then like, I'm thinking, then he just begins to overwhelm you. (laughs) Goodness. And last point, last point is there's a high cost not to pursue him. And again, this isn't like... Thanks for listening to this week's message. The goal of River City Hope Church is to provide as many resources as we can for free. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to HopeForRiverCity.com. Again, that's Hope, the number four, RiverCity.com.